Well, if you'd like to open up to Ecclesiastes 4, there were two really great passages that we missed, and so over the next two weeks we're going to uh, catch up on them, and I'm sure that will be really good. Thank you also to the guys who stepped in and finished the series for us a few weeks ago too. That was great. Let's just pray as we come to God's Word. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your Word, uh, for speaking to us through the Bible by your Spirit, and we pray that you would be with us and help us today and, and next week as we consider these passages in Ecclesiastes that we would be lifted up by you and, and learn new things from your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, The Power of One is a 1992 drama film loosely based on Bryce Courtney's novel of the same name. It's set in South Africa during World War II and the film centres on the life of an English South African boy called PK who was raised under apartheid. It's the story of this young boy who suffers persecution and bullying by his fellow white schoolmates in South Africa. He's taught to box by a poor black prisoner played by Morgan Freeman. Uh, but this English boy PK develops a care for the blacks that he meets in prison and he begins to champion an opposition to the apartheid regime. So it's the story of how one young man through adversity can overcome adversity and make a difference in a troubled uh, age. It's an amazing story, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen that movie, about the power of life and hope in one man, uh, the power of one. But today as we come to Ecclesiastes, we're actually looking, aren't we, at the power of two. Our passage in Ecclesiastes is talking about not just the power of one, but the power of two and community together. This passage is going to show us that when it comes to life, we can't do it on our own. We need people around us. We need our church family and our friends and our families. We, we can't face this life alone. Indeed, we need the Lord as well. So the question we're asking from the passage today is, should it be the power of one? or the power of two. So uh, let's get into it. Um, it's a famous Bible passage. There's a, a famous section here, but there's also a much more obscure and unusual section in our passage. So let's start with the obscure section from verses 13 to 15, or to 16. See verse 13. The teacher says, Better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to take warning. The youth may have come from prison to the kingship or he may have been born in poverty within his kingdom. I saw that all who lived and walked under the sun followed the youth, the king's successor. There was no end to all the people who were before them, but those who came later were not pleased with the successor. This too is meaningless, he says, a chasing after the wind. So uh, here in this section of Ecclesiastes, we're thinking about the power of two, thinking about the benefits of working together in life. And so the preacher here tells a story, an analogy that he's heard of, about in life, about a poor and wise youth who comes to the throne and about an old and foolish king who no longer takes warning. So initially we see that there's two main characters. We're hoping this will be a good story, the power of two. But what's the problem here? Well, he's a foolish king, isn't he? And so this partnership will never work. 
Now, where does the youth come from? We see in verse 14, he might have come from prison to the kingship or have been born in, born in poverty within the kingdom. But we see in verse 15 that people will follow the wise youth. He becomes the king. It says that he would be the king's successor. But there's a problem in verse 16, isn't there? Because those who come later, we see, are not pleased with this youth. So this story is something that had potential to start well and to go well, but it seems that it's a letdown. I'm not sure if you've had that letdown feeling before. Maybe if you've been uh, watching a new TV show that started really well and then it let you down. Uh, for me, I can distinctly remember playing cricket and thinking I was going to score 100 and then I got out the next ball on about a score of four. So this story lets us down as well, doesn't it? We're promised companionship in this passage. We're hoping for companionship and the blessings of community, but this story is a letdown. This duo doesn't work because the king is foolish, and even those who follow the youth when he becomes king, they become fickle and they leave his side as well. So this section shows us that sometimes our partnerships won't always work out. Sometimes we need to be willing to part with a fool. It shows us that sometimes people in life might let us down, like the verses there show that people can be fickle. They might say one thing and then do another. They might promise us their loyalty, but desert us at a moment we didn't expect. So let us, as we begin, know that these principles here in this passage of partnership won't always work. Yes, generally two are better than one. Generally, companionship is better. But we see here that sometimes people will let us down. So perhaps the, perhaps the take home at this moment is be wary of the people that you partner with and invest in relationships. Do your background checks to know if your partner will turn out to be a fool. So that's the obscure part of the passage. But let's move on uh, to the well-known passage, this, this great blessing of verses uh, that are a bit earlier on. Have a look at verse 7 to 12. He says, He sees something meaningless under the sun, a man that's all alone, that has neither son nor brother, there's no end to his toil, and he's not content with his wealth. Uh, then in verse 9, he says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Now, uh, this is a wonderful Bible passage. Uh, verse 10, if one falls down, his friend can help him up. Pity the man who has no one to help him up. If two lie down together, they'll keep warm. Uh, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So it's a famous Christian passage. I've preached this passage at a wedding before. Um, it's at weddings, it's on gift cards, it's in frames. A wonderful, encouraging passage in many ways. But what is the problem that Koheleth, the teacher here, sees in the passage? Well, it is that in verse 8, there was a man that was all alone. No son and no brother, and yet he's working his face off. There's no end to his toil, but he's not content because he can't share the benefits of his work with anyone. So there's a problem, isn't there? A man who's alone and who's working super hard, but he has no one to share it with. So what's the solution, according to the teacher of Ecclesiastes? 
Well, he says it's in verse 9. He says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Now, often in sermons, it's great to put in illustrations, isn't it? To help people understand an example of what the preacher is trying to say. Here we have a number of illustrations in the passage from the teacher of Ecclesiastes. He's put in a number of illustrations to show us that two are better than one. You see there, if someone falls down, their friend can help them up. If two lie down together, they'll keep warm. Uh, and if one is overpowered, they can defend themselves. So he's giving us a number of situations here to show us that companionship is better than no companionship. If we work together with others, it's better than trying to do it alone. In many cases, perhaps not in every case. This passage encourages companionship and working with others, doesn't it? That life should go better when we're working with others. As I said, this is a text that's preached at weddings. It reminds us of the benefits of seeking to be married in this life. It shows us um, that marriage is a wonderful companionship. But this verse could also be used to talk about friendships as well, couldn't it? Not just marriages. The passage encourages us to know companionship in all parts of our lives and in all relationships. This is a principle that's encouraged here in the Bible. The Bible puts it to us that companionship is a better way of life to be sought. The Bible is saying, don't go it alone, but remember that two are better than one and seek out companions in your life to work, walk the journey of life together. If you're married... Enjoy and love this Bible text. Let it encourage you about the blessings of your marriage and let it spur you on to keep investing in your marriage relationship and give thanks to God for your marriage. But maybe you're not married and you look at this passage and you might think about your friends or your family. And all of us can give thanks for our friendships and all our relationships. Let this passage motivate you to keep investing in your life in friendships and relationships, for two are better than one. Can we seek out companionship in our life as we live out the principles of this passage? Now, for some of us, we might need to push ourselves a little bit in this stuff because some of us are extroverted and that may not be a problem for us, but some of us might be introverted and so we might need to push ourselves a little bit to think about how these principles of companionship work at different times. Uh, we need to work out exactly what this is going to look like with our distinct personality. And whatever our personality is, uh, that is totally okay. It's going to look different for each one of us. But let's just remember that this principle of companionship is taught here in the Bible. So let us cultivate spending time with one another and with others. Let us invest in relationships, in our marriages, in companionships. As we seek to live out these values that companionship is a good thing. We've seen in Ecclesiastes 4 today the power of companionship in the Christian life. Let us rem remember that this principle is encouraged in the Bible and seek to invest in companionship. But the question that I want to ask um, before we finish off is, did Jesus also teach these things? Did Jesus also teach that working alone is vanity and that we should cooperate with others. Well, 
Jesus did oppose greed in all forms. The parable of the rich fool reminds us of the story of the rich man in our passage today. The rich fool had ample goods laid up for many years, and we know he had no companion that we're told. In any event, Jesus warns, do not store up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy. Instead, Jesus commands us to love our neighbor. He tells us to go and show mercy. He tells the parable of the good Samaritan where we're to do likewise. Jesus also sends out his disciples, not as individuals, but two by two on their mission. He knew that ministry work would be much more effective if they went out as companions. And think about the early church, for example, in the book of Acts. They loved being together and having all things in common, we're told. They sold their possessions and goods and gave to anyone as anyone had need. They met together day after day in the temple courts and broke to get bread together. And they had glad hearts, we are told. Jesus even calls the church the body of Christ, that we are interconnected members of one another. We can be the body of Christ, of course, because he died for us on the cross. We must remember that we're connected not just to each other, but to God as well. You see, if you look at verse 12, it says that a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, this verse is probably not a direct reference to God, but it still does subtly remind us that connection to God is not something to be missed. So how is your companionship with God going? Friends, we've seen today in the Bible that it will work out better with at least two. We're seeing the blessings of companionship. So the question is, how will you live this out in your life? A simple illustration, and possibly a silly one, forgive me, comes from the 2005 film, Batman Begins. The police commissioner, Gordon, wonders how he will ever bring a dangerous criminal to justice. The commissioner is just one man after all. How can he stand against the forces of darkness in the city? And then, a Batman comes forward and says, now we are two. It's a simple illustration, but an important truth, isn't it? Do we, do you take it seriously that we have just adopted values in this church that are titled fellowship and friendship and Christ-centered community? Friends, with this passage, we are left with a choice. To run with the power of one, or as the Bible says to see that now we are two. And let us not forget our partnership with God as well, that a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Well, let us pray. We thank you again, Father, for the truths of your word. Thank you for the community uh, that you bring into our lives in so many ways. And Lord, as we seek this out and as we Remember to include you on your throne. We pray that we might be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. 